Would you please join with me in prayer? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you fill us for this worthy walk that you have called us to and that you don't abandon us to our own strength. And I just ask, Lord, that as we look at the spiritual aspect of our walk with you, that you would illumine our minds with your thoughts and your convictions and your encouragements that you would have for each and every one of us, that you would take our wills, bend them to your own, that you would speak my words, Lord. And Father, that you would take every single heart here gathered this morning and set our hearts on fire with love for you and for your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know where summer went, but here we are. It's Labor Day weekend, and we're wrapping up the book of Ephesians that we've been walking through with the lectionary. And Paul has left us, we're picking up where we left off, kind of, sort of, because he's describing from chapter 4 on what a worthy walk in the Lord looks like. We saw all that throughout chapter 4, chapter 5, and in our relationships in chapter 5 and beginning with chapter 6 that we submit to one another have a love for Christ in the church, in our marriages, you know, as parents and child, that even in our parenting, we discipline them and the, we raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, but we don't exasperate our kids. Kids, obey your parents as unto the Lord. And same thing with our employers-employee relationships, that we serve one another as we're serving Christ. And then Paul comes along on the very first word of verse 10, to give us a really poignant reminder that you're in a battle. You didn't choose it. You may not even want it, and most of us don't, but you're in it whether you like it or not. And therefore, to be a Christian is to understand that we are called to war because Paul is reminding us, this is not some letter for a bunch of elite spiritual people. This is a letter to garden variety, everyday Christians in Ephesus, and therefore the same everyday folk just like me and you here in America, and especially here on the West Shore. And so this is fundamental Christianity that Paul is speaking of. And so the question that I want to ask you is, have you ever wondered why being a Christian is so hard at times? You know, think about that. It's not that you're just a sinner, though you are. I am. You know, we hurt people. You know, there's evil in the world. But, you know, we're not the only ones to blame for the hurt and evil in this world, is what Paul is getting to at this point. We're opposed at the very deepest level of our being. And the devil has a file on you a mile long, and he and his demons never sleep. But he's a defeated foe. And now when you you hear me talk like that, some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, right, you know, devils, sure. All right? And there's others who are thinking, preach it, preach it, preach it. Right? Okay? Lewis says in the preface of the Screwtape Letters, there are two great dangers for those people who would call themselves Christians regarding this doctrine of the devil and demons. 
The first is to disbelieve in their existence altogether. My father was like that. He didn't believe it. And Lewis would say, well, if that's what you hold, then the devil's already won. He doesn't even have to fight because you're already on his side. The second danger is to have an excessive and unhealthy interest in them where there's a devil under every rock. And if you own basset hounds, you think the demon has him or her. Okay, because Lucy will never come. You know, at least she hasn't. But you know what? She will. Because she's a puppy. And puppies don't listen to anybody. Right? We all know that. And so, rather than put a spiritual aspect on it, let's just own it that we wrestle with the world, we wrestle with our own flesh. And today, Paul wants to remind us, oh, you're in a battle. And you wrestle not just with flesh and blood, but with spiritual realities, for spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That doesn't mean they're in heaven, but all around us is a spiritual battle. And some of those demons are against us. And what we learn in this passage are four great truths which you need to write down, you need to memorize, and get into your very being because as we understand this battle that we're in, we can bear great fruit for the kingdom. Number one, in Christ, our strength is inadequate. Two, we must put on all of the gospel armor. Three, in Christ, you are a mighty warrior. And last but not least, we're in this fight together. Whether you like it or not, you're in this fight together as the church. One, strength is inadequate. My own strength is inadequate. Two, I clothe myself with gospel armor. Three, you are a mighty warrior in Christ. And four, we're in this together. So let's look at this. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're at the 10th chapter here. As Paul begins to wrap it up with the word, finally. First, your strength is inadequate. Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. There's an emphasis in this passage on the location of your strength. It's all throughout it. Everything you need to be the strong Christian you desire to be and that God wants you to be, and He wants you more than probably you've even ever desired or dreamed of being, everything you need is found through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not saying, go, go back and get all this knowledge spiritually, get built up and go and learn all this stuff, then you can go out and do mighty works for God. No. He's saying, be strong in the strength of His might. Because it's the Lord's strength we live in day after day. Because Paul knows how we think. Because we think, you know, I've had some pretty good time in the Word. I've come to church two weeks in a row. I'm doing really good. I put a few bucks in the collection plate. I've served in a ministry last month. I'm doing great. I'm strong in the Lord. And Paul says, no. You need something outside of you to battle for you. And if not, you're going to utterly fail in the Christian life. So therefore, he, we're called to look to Jesus Christ. He doesn't care if you've come to church 50 years every Sunday or you've been in church for 50 seconds. 
we must be in the Lord because the greatest strength to your faith is not your weakness, it's your strength. It's what have you put your pride into. All right? Because we are to call to put our strength in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Dr. Packer says, oh, the power, the gospel power of the conjunctions. It's the most powerful word in the whole passage, 10 verses long. In the Lord. In the strength of His might. It's a total change of location going from your former self to a new self in Christ. This is in Christ. This is who you are, not in what the world says you are, not what your parents say you are, not what you think you are, even what you feel you are. As you place your trust in Jesus Christ alone, you are in Christ. I am not Gene Sherman, the 56-year-old, white, heterosexual, married to Kim, foreign-grown kids with a granddaughter, a basset hound, a basset puppy, with an undergrad degree from George Mason University, a postgraduate degree from the University of Maryland, go Terps, and um, MDiv from Trinity School for Ministry. That doesn't matter. Why? Because Paul's reminding us, well, that's what the world says you are, but to me, you are in Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter your education level. Doesn't matter your performance. Because my performance doesn't matter. Christ does upon me. And so does you. At the deepest level, I am Gene Sherman in Christ. That's my identity. Because the challenge for suburban American people, we think we need to have a certain level of material. Gotta do this, we gotta achieve that then I am. No, you're in Christ. We battle with our consumerism, our individualism. Nobody can tell us what to do. Well, yeah, we can. We have a captain of our soul who can tell us what to do, how to live. The greatest, the most difficult population of our country to reach for the gospel are suburban people. Did you know that? Barna, Barna survey. You know? Why? Because we're so affluent. We're okay. We don't need this. Oh, they might come on Christmas Eve. Because that's a tradition. But the reality is, we got to put that aside and recognize as followers of Christ that we're in this battle in a total change of identity and stepping out of our former selves, our self-suit, and putting on the armor of God. Which takes us to our second point. That God desires to clothe you, clothe you in the gospel with His armor. And His armor is gospel armor. Verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Because for those who have surrendered to Him completely, uh, he gives his best armor. He doesn't give you worn out World War II stuff. He gives you 2018 fresh off the spiritual assembly line armor of God. This word wrestle is translated kind of mano y mano. The root idea is hand to hand 
combat. That you can f- hear the guy's voice. You can, you can feel his breath as they're wrestling against you and you're fighting against them. You need God's armor for this fight. This, an exchange of arrows is not pictured right here. And what we have here is a picture of the entire gospel. Not that you have one missing piece of armor. Oh, you're just missing this piece. Have this piece and your walk is complete. No, it's the whole ball of wax or none at all. And I'm not going to go over every piece per se, although there's lessons for every piece of armor, but I want you to see the big picture here. What Paul is saying here is you need to understand the belt of truth is the truth of Jesus Christ. You get to understand this is true and other worldviews are false. There's a breastplate of righteousness when you place your trust in this good news of Jesus Christ that he clothes you with. And it's a powerful defense and guards your heart against the darts of the enemy. Same thing with the faith you have. You don't get a little itty-bitty shield of faith. You get a huge honking shield of faith that protects you as you grow in the truth and grow in this faith of Jesus Christ. And last but not least, you have a helmet of salvation. When you have all that, you are saved because of his performance upon the cross, not your performance. And therefore, you walk in the reality of that, and every single one of those parts of your uniform and your armor are defensive. It's a defensive gear that you have to protect you. And it's the whole gospel. Everything you need to stand against the dark forces of this present age is in the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. So why does this matter? Because it may be that some of you have been groveling around for years trying to jumpstart your faith on your own strength and in your own way, and it's never worked, and you're just trying to sort this thing out. It's time to stop it. It doesn't work, because that's not how God saves. Here's God's plan. Jesus is true. He really did raise from the dead. When you place your trust in him, he clothes you in his righteousness, which acts like a breastplate to protect your heart. That you can have a shield of faith that protects you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and a helmet of salvation to be in his kingdom right now, to have an impact in our world right now. This isn't something we just keep to ourselves. We go forth shining his light. And that's who we are in Jesus Christ. And as we place our trust in the fullness of the gospel, he infuses us with his strength. He empowers us to live for him. And he gives us a weapon to use. Did you catch that? All those others are defensive. But then he says, and you're armed with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The second half of verse 17. And the sword of the spirit which is the Word of God, which takes us from defensive to offense. That there's a forward lean in the Christian life which calls us to not retreat. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So accompanying this weapon, the Bible, in your own life and in the lives of others is the Holy Spirit. In John 14 and John 16, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, accompanies the Word of God. He's like a spiritual Legolas. 
All right? We spiritually are hobbits. Pathetic little people who can't accomplish anything in a battle, but Legolas doesn't miss. When I was in eighth grade reading those fellowship, all those ring trilogies of Tolkien, I couldn't put them down. I pictured Orlando Bloom playing Legolas. I think Peter Jackson nailed him because he doesn't miss. He's a warrior elf. You don't mess with Legolas. That's why he was my absolute favorite. Because he had to fight for Frodo and Bilbo. Didn't you just roll your eyes at the movies? You guys are so pathetic. That's us! And the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. And in Christ we don't lose because the sword, the Spirit is not our sword. The Bible is our sword. And as we read it, it encourages us. It convicts us. It challenges us. We learn. We grow. We read Mark and learn and help one another in it. And it cuts you up and it softens you. And it will be the same for your friends and family where you live, work, and play. It will. And when Satan comes to you with those charges, right? You've heard them. I did it again. You're never going to matter. You're never going to amount to much in the kingdom. Just, just give up. You're so far gone. What you did was so bad. You can do this your own way. You're so busy. You don't need Christ Church. You can look at the devil and you say, For our sake he made him to, who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him I might become the righteousness of Christ. You can look at the devil and say, God would have to deny his own righteousness if he were going to deny me my righteousness. It's not my righteousness, it's God's. And I just simply wear it. When I was a kid, my dad would travel often, and he often went to Mountain View, California, because that's where the engineers for what is now known as Lockheed Martin were. And so, like, every little boy, when his dad comes home, Dad, what'd you get me? You know, and he always had something. Might be a thing of lifesavers, you know. Nothing. But every now and then, he came home with something really cool. And one day, he came home, one for my brother and one for me. Now, now remember, there was no internet back then. The only way you could get these types of things were actually go to the ballpark. And my dad went to a San Francisco Giants game at Candlestick Park and brought me back a genuine San Francisco Giants baseball hat. Now, that may not be a big deal to you, but I was the only kid at Mantua Elementary that had a San Francisco Giants hat. And I knew it. And so I put that on, and my 1971 hair was sticking out. And I wore it all the way to school. A new era wool. Too big because I was going to grow. So he bought it big. So it's down, you know, right above my eyes. And I'm walking to school with it. And I get to the playground. And all these guys started making fun of me. Because the Giants stink. Giants are no good. I heard, the Giants suck. You suck. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. You know, and so it became that banter. And they're making fun of my cool hat. But then it just dawned on me, my dad gave me this. 
He went out of his way. He never, he doesn't even like the giants. But he went. He bought this from me. And I'm wearing it. And by the way, Willie Mays plays for the Giants. Willie McCovey plays for the Giants. Juan Marichal pitches for the Giants with that big leg kick he had. You're not ever going to be as good as those guys. You know what? That's who we are in Christ. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. Wear it! That's what we have to do, my friends. And when we do that, the scripture says you resist the devil and he flees. He retreats. He runs away because you're using the word of God. So that when that, that friend of yours or that family member says, ah, the man upstairs, he's got it under control. You know, I, he, he knows my heart. You can say, yeah, your heart is desperately wicked, bro. You know, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Hebrews 9, 22 says, and without a substitute for sin, there's no atonement for your sin. But God loves you so much that if you will confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. When we start doing that, the Spirit starts hacking away, starts to cut. It may not be instantaneous, but just we keep placarding. And watch what the Lord does. God died for you. Won't you receive him as your Savior? Your Lord? When we do that, we're wielding God's sword not against our friends, but for our friends. Okay? And against the devil. So therefore, because of all that, you are a tender-hearted firm-standing warrior, a righteous warrior, when you trust in this good news. Verse 18, and this is how you fight, righteous warrior. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Four times prayer is used in this battle imagery. Prayer, supplication. Prayer is general communication to the Lord. Supplication is specific requests to the Lord. Prayer, Paul is saying, is our warfare. You know, and I can't stand Instagram. You'll be on Instagram, and they'll take some prayer, and they'll pluck it out of its context, and they'll place it against a field of sunflowers. You know, it's as if prayer is some... Let's go on a spiritual retreat for the weekend so I can have a juice cleanse and a speak detox. This is war. A better picture would be the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan with most of these prayer passages that people on Instagram post. Because prayer is when we have our walkie-talkie and we call the Lord to come help us because we're getting shelled here, man. Help! And you use that walkie-talkie because without prayer, we die. And you may say to yourself, you may say to me, Gene, I'm I'm not not really at war. I'm, I'm good. Well, could it be that you're one of those that the enemy ignores because you really don't trust it anyway? 
And if you've never really trusted in Jesus Christ, your Savior and Lord, He doesn't bother with you. That's why you're not at war. And you're so comfortable. Because John Howe, my rector, would say growing up, I remember hearing this at 16 years old, you know, the enemy never takes us seriously until we take the Lord seriously. And when we take the Lord seriously, just watch what will happen. Talk to anybody who came Monday night to the prayer meeting. Several of the folks. Don Cruz helped me organize it. Don's son all of a sudden had to go to the hospital. So he had to run down, pick up his car, go through all these steps. He arrived 15 minutes late, but nothing would stop him from praying with God's people. Because we know when we pray, God moves. Is that you? But when we take up the sword and we pray for revival, you pray for Christ Church, you pray for me, you pray for your family, you pray for your coworkers, you pray for your golf work buddies, watch what happens. Because it's God who fights for us, ladies and gentlemen. It's not us. Holy Spirit just goes on the attack. 1 Samuel 2 Chronicles says, The battle is the Lord's. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty warrior who will save. Proverbs 28.1 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. Could that be said of us? We are bold for the Lord. See, when we get this, you start to understand. If, if God's on my side, I can go forward. So I played golf with a bunch of guys I didn't know on Thursday night in the, in the Thursday night pagan golf league I play in. You know? It's, it's awesome. Rob knows all about it. These guys drink a lot of beer. All right? And, and they ask me, you know, Gene, what do you do? I just tell them. I'm the minister of Christ Church West Shore. It's the New Anglican Church in Avon Lake. I've been there a couple years now. We're doing really well. Oh, that's great. There's an indifference in our culture. Three years ago, they would have started to behave. These guys don't behave anymore. I love it. It's quite frankly, it's more helpful. Because they, they you know, there's no respect in this position. Really. That's because there's no respect for the church and for Christianity. But when we pray, and we're a minority in our culture, well, the early church was a minority in theirs, and look what happened. Just read the book of Acts. Look what happened at the Reformational church when they rediscovered salvation is by grace through Jesus Christ alone. Look what happened in the renewal of the 70s and the 80s when churches rediscovered the power of the Holy Spirit working through people. It was amazing. I came to faith during that time. You are a mighty warrior and you have a captain that's worth following. Let's live into that reality. For his glory and his glory alone. And therefore, my friends, we fight together. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. Paul's point being is that these Ephesians and he are vitally connected to one another in their ministry and in the gospel. Our standing firm, our calling forth reinforcements, 
our success and our growth in Jesus Christ are all vitally linked to the health of this church. Every single one of us have a vital connection together for the kingdom. And when one part is not working properly, then the whole body is affected. Reality. And that's what Paul is saying. That we are a, if you add up our attendance, we're a small battalion of of small battalion army with each part working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Ephesians chapter 4. And God can work mightily through that as we're all in. But if someone says, I got it, I got this, it affects all of us. So therefore, my friends, let's pray expectantly. Let's get out in the community, loving our neighbors where we live, work, and play. And God will move and build up this community. And we will see the Lord move. Because Paul says in Ephesians 4, We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's a worthy walk, and it's a battle. Forward march. My favorite scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is that final climax where Peter, Aslan, is nowhere to be seen. He believes Aslan has been killed, and so he and the children are leading the Narnians against the White Witch's forces. And it's not going well. They're getting overrun with the battle. And they don't know what they're going to do. And then suddenly as the sun comes up, Aslan and the reinforcements arrive from the White Witch's castle. It's a great scene if you've never seen the movie. And they play it down because it's PG. You kind of wish it was R at that point. Because in the book, Aslan just takes over. And Peter and the children and the Narnian forces just stand there. Because Aslan, they take it over. That's a picture of this battle that each and every one of us are in. Yeah, we're in the battle, just like Peter and the children are. But our Lord has this. He's fighting for us. Put on your armor, operate in his strength. In him, you're a mighty warrior. Let's do it together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we have you, Holy Spirit, to, to work in and through us as you fill us to submit to one another, to submit to one another in the church and in all our relationships. And Lord, may we stand firm in these promises that you are with us that we recognize that we have a spiritual battle that's around us, but we don't focus on that. We focus on you, growing in you. And if any of us struggle with those realities, Lord, I pray that this day we would turn it all over to you. Get linked in with other groups for your honor and glory. And that as we can do so, we can march forward in the reality and the truth of the gospel. Fill us, Holy Spirit, for that end and for your glory. 
that we may proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which we are ambassadors, each and every one of us. And we may declare it boldly as we ought to speak and as we do so in our deeds as well. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.